Welcome to the Creators Collective, previously known as the Crafted Podcast, a podcast all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, leatherworking, electronics, and more. We publish weekly on Thursdays on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you normally look for your podcasts. You can also follow us on all of our social media pages, and we are also live streaming every week, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look us up on the YouTube channel, and you can join in and have all of the live chat fun. Also, any questions you answer on there can be answered live on the air. So let's hear from our host, James Wright from Wood by Wright. Hello, this is me. Zach Herberholz from ZH Fabrications. Do I say something now? That's for you, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> and William Walker of WM Walker & Company. Guten Morgen. Hey. So we're back for another episode and uh, this, is, uh, this is kind of a, a fun one. Um, our first actual episode as the Creators Collective. And uh, you may have noticed we now have a, uh, a logo up. It's kind of a temporary one, although I don't know, it might become permanent, but uh, we're, we're working on that. And there's a, a few other things that we are also kind of working on with uh, switching everything over. So if anything isn't working, please let us know and we will fix it as soon as possible. So let's uh, jump into what we have for today. Um, Zach, what's on, uh, what's on your bench? Um, well, it's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember it's, uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it's been a crazy week. Um, <laughs> uh, reaching out to a lot of, so Fabtech, obviously a couple of weeks ago, if you guys are all up to date was, was a, a really fun event. So I put out the, um, the C clamp bench video. Did I put that out this week? I think I put it out. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was new. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was a really fun build. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, and that, that video is doing pretty well. Um, let's see. I started recording for uh, doing a video for the key fobs that I that I make. I'm going to put that out soon. Kind of. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's you know, it's I think you've seen the little kind of rough uncut version, didn't you, James? Mm, oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one's only like I'm kind of experimenting to do like two, three minute videos that are just really quick and and kind of, you know, to the point. Uh, to kind of bridge the gap because I want to put out more. One of my goals for 2018 is is just to put out more content. Uh, and, and the issue that I've always had is that, um, you know, most of my builds are, are pretty laborious. They're, they, they take a lot of time and there's usually a lot of materials and it's just not. Most of the content I've put out, they're not builds that I can knock out in a couple of days or usually at least a few weeks. And then I end up with hundreds of hours of footage to edit. So it's just a really big process. So kind of one of the things that I'd like to do just to kind of keep keep the ball rolling a little bit better on YouTube is just to have some smaller uh, projects and videos just to kind of bridge that gap between the bigger ones. So the, uh, the key fob will be kind of a fun experiment. I'm going to put out the uh, knife that I, the little... Uh, mini cleaver that I built with uh, Harley at Iron, Iron, uh, Iron Dog Knife Works uh, last month. This is going to, it's going to be nice. kind of a different one because it's uh, more of a documentary style. I really just wanted to, um, you know, get with somebody that knows what they're doing because knife making and, you know, forging a blade is kind of like wizardry in my mind. There's, <laughs> there's way too much information out there. I mean, I'm sure every, every, uh, handy mail has at some point done a Google search on like how to make a knife and <laughs> the amount of contradictory uh, material yes. that, that is out there. It just makes you want to throw your hands and give up because, you know, there's, there's a hundred opinions on how to tamper, how to quench, how to, you know, anneal, how to all of that. And all of them are 
at odds with each other. So it makes it really difficult to, to find just a And process. everyone thinks you're wrong. Exactly. It's, I mean, of all of the disciplines of like crafting out there, I really feel like knife making is the most polarizing. It's, it's worse than politics. Like <laughs> people hate you if you do something a certain way. It's, it's really strange. So I just kind of, my goal for myself and hopefully for some of the other people out there that are interested uh, I just, I met this guy through Instagram and I saw his work. Uh, if you guys, if you guys run Instagram, it's uh, iron dog knife works. Just look at the stuff he makes. It's ridiculous. So I don't care how he does it. He makes insane. He makes beautiful, uh, you know, cutlery and kitchen knives for chefs and stuff around the country. So in my eyes, like, I don't care how he does it. He does it right. It works and he sells a lot of them. So I figure I just want to copy this guy. He knows what he's doing. So that's kind of the idea of this video I'm going to put out is just start to finish. I want the whole process and I want to document it. So when I go to make my knives in the future, I have a template. So that's, that's kind of the premise for that. What about you guys? Yeah, I feel that, you know, if, as long as, as long as you do it safe and you actually do it, then you're doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. So many people just don't even start because they're so afraid of doing it wrong. That it's just... Well, that's, that's the thing, though, is there's, it's like a, there's no right way to eat Reese's and there's no right way to make a, a blade. I don't think there's a right. There's a lot of wrong ways, but I don't think there's necessarily a right way. I think if you if if it's straight, if it get passes like the rock, if it gets to the, the right uh, um, spectrum in the Rockwell scale, if it's hard enough to hold an edge and it uh, functions, then it's a knife. So... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like if you get, get there. no, I think, I think Zach, we should, we should keep William from talking. <laughs> we'll just keep, keep waiting until every, every time he starts speaking. We'll just I didn't have anything to say anyway. Okay. No, I'm curious. <laughs> no, I think, uh, learning how to sharpen is more important than bickering back and forth about the best way to temper and quench and what steel is better to use for knives and, you know, what carbon levels yeah. and yada, yada, yada. Cause I beat my knives up. I always carry a pocket knife on me. Um, and I use it, you know, it's a tool, uh, but learning how to sharpen a knife properly to, to put an edge on it, I think is almost more important than, you know, the tedium between, you know, this way to make a knife and that way to make a knife. And I've never made a knife. Absolutely. But- I mean, I, I think they're codependent because I mean, obviously if you can't sharpen a blade, it doesn't matter how good the blade is. And, but uh, conversely, if you make a blade that is unsharpenable or it won't hold an edge, then your sharpening is kind of uh, moot, irrelevant. So yeah, you have to mess up really big time though to make one unsharpenable. Well, I mean, if you don't if you don't quench it and heat treat it right, then I mean, th- there there is a lot to it. And but like I said, there's a lot of different ways to get there. Um, yeah, there's certainly wrong ways, but I think there are multiple right ways to do it. And that's yeah. So don't, you know, if somebody's trying to, not that I'm like an expert by any means, but, uh, you know, I, I would say it's the same with anything in any craft, you know, if, if you got into woodworking and you got into whatever, if you're making stuff, there's, there's contradictory information out there that makes it difficult and makes it really, um, you know, it makes it something that seems like it's just more difficult to get into because there's so much information, but what I found mm-hmm. is if you want to learn something, you literally just have to cannonball into it. I mean, if you keep walking around the pool and testing the water, you're never going to get in. Sometimes you just have to just dive in. 
and you'll probably, you know, it'll be a shock at first because you'll probably screw some things up, but you know, at least you'll be, you'll be swimming pretty quick. Cool. Well, uh, Will, do you have uh, anything going on? Oh my gosh. I've got a lot going on. Um, so I leave for Germany in an hour and a half. Um, and before that I was working on, uh, the medicine cabinet build that I talked about last week, the cherry um, box jointed corner book matched panel door medicine cabinet that I'm making for tools today. <laughs> I love how our, uh, I love how our, our like descriptions, just every episode keep getting like our builds, just get more and more adjectives in them. <laughs> uh, so Hollywood farmhouse. I just, yeah, I just uh, unboxed all the tools. Um, <laughs> like yesterday or the day before and uh, got the blades on my saw and they're awesome and sharp and I'd love brand new blades because they're like buttery smooth. James, you wouldn't know anything about that because you don't use table saws. Uh, and then I just released a video this morning on uh, I turn I cut the top off of a bourbon bottle and I turned a wood lid to make like a container. I saw a video from Ben Ueda. Uh, a while back where he molded some lids for bottles that he cut the tops off of. And I thought it'd be cool to turn one out of wood. So just did that. And uh, yeah, I've been totally focused on travel uh, other than that. So tell us about uh, Germany. What's going on? So my wife, um, I guess she's kind of a big deal in her field of quality assurance in the pharmaceutical world. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully your wife is a big deal. (laughs) Uh, but uh, she got invited to speak at this conference in Munich next week. So we thought, hey, like, let's make a vacation out of it. And uh, so we're flying from Dulles to Munich overnight. Uh, and then we're going to hop a train down to Lindau, which is on Lake Constance, which is right on the border of Austria, Germany and Austria. And across the lake, you're looking at Switzerland. So um, it's supposed to be this magical wondrous place and we might even get snow which would be even more magical in like you know the alps uh and then we're going to take a train back to munich uh that monday and she's going to speak at this conference tuesday and wednesday and then we'll have a day in munich and see the glockenspiel and the hofbrau house and all the cool stuff over there on thursday and then fly back friday Cool. I've always, I've actually started, um, there's, there's this phone, there's this app called Duolingo and, uh, I, I downloaded it like two weeks ago and I decided I was going to try and learn like basic German. Yeah. <laughs> I don't speak German. Um, the running joke in my family is I don't speak any language until we get to the place that we're going. Um, and then I'm the most, uh, I guess I'm the, the, bravest one in the family so even though people have like taken classes in languages that like they get to the foreign country and then they kind of freeze up and they go will you just go talk to him (laughs) so (laughs) i feel like by the end of next week i I will speak german so i feel like uh it's funny because like the first the first things you learn in a language are are uh sometimes really weird (laughs) it's like when are you gonna need to ask for milk and like i guess the where's the bathroom is is pretty important but yeah, that's yeah, like wo wo die toilet, I think, in German. <laughs> wo, Sounds wo good. Die I haven't learned toilet. that one yet. I've learned I've learned like <laughs> she drinks milk, but I don't know how to ask for the bathroom. I think, <laughs> think they would like flip those around like practical language. Yeah. Absolutely. James, what are you working on? 
Uh, I am uh, finishing up. I'm hoping today to finish up the spring pole lathe, or at least get it to a fully functional state. Um, so this this last week was all the little mechanicals of the spring pole, the arm, the uh, um, the headstock, the puppet. Um, I have left is to make the tool rest, and I can start turning things on it, which is kind of a, a momentous occasion. How how far out is that? How far out? What do you mean? The the lathe. I'll ha- hopefully have it done today. Oh wow. I'm 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 hoping to have the the final build video on it in the next couple days, um, and then uh, uh, hoping to do a, I want to do like a, a cinematic build video and just kind of go through the whole process in in one video. I think that'll be a little easier than having the whole series to watch if you want to. Do yeah, I, I I try my best to put things in one video because I've done like my workbench video. I had there was so much to it that I broke it up into two different videos. And it's always weird to me. Yeah. Like, I think this the part two has like uh, probably um, I, I can't know. I don't know the exact number, but it has significantly more views than the first part. And I always think like, who does that? How can you just like start on part two? Like to me, that's like, they're the people who jumped to the end of a uh, mystery book. It's, I mean, like, I'm happy they're watching it, but I'm like, how can anybody, like, it's like the people that can just like pick up in the middle of a movie. Like, I, I can't do it. Like, it can if I miss the first five minutes of a movie that I really want to see, like, I won't watch it. I'm like, I nope, I have to wait until I see the the whole thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I always try and just put for maybe for my my own uh, little OCD. I just really try and put things into one video if I can help it. I always like the one video. I, I, I like one video. Um, yeah. I try my very hardest to not do videos in parts. Um, the last time I did that, I put a video in parts was the Rubo bench and we all saw how that ended. Um, it didn't. So <laughs> we're, we're still waiting for that. <laughs> You're yeah, still waiting I, for the rest of the Rubo. I do parts mostly because um, uh, the majority of my videos tend to be more teaching. And so it, it makes it easier to kind of dive into a, a subject a bit more and talk about the, the details of it. But I don't do the, the cinematic video quality videos as much. So different channels. I'm excited to see you uh, take your take your try at a cinematic cinematic style. I do you know, one like, like a, every like six a me months style or so. Video. Okay. Uh, do you remember the uh, the candle box I made? Yeah, that was. I don't cool. know if you saw that one. It was. Good I think one. that was. Uh, almost a year and a half ago. Oh now. my god, it was that long ago. Yeah, We're getting that old. That was a fun one. Actually, the video I have coming out today, I'm not talking in it at all. It's just music and work. Yeah, that's the way I like and, it. Uh, so that that that's gonna be a that's gonna be an interesting one. Yeah, we'll I've been trying to so like with the key fob video, like that I just did. I wanted to do it a little bit differently, and like kind of make it more cinematic. Um, which is really hard to do with all the crappy eat up, ate up camera gear that I have. Like, actually, I have my, I don't know how well you guys can see the lens. <laughs> Spatter cover. Yeah, those are, there's like weld berries <laughs> melted into the lens of my camera. And nobody told me that, like, there's a thing called a UV filter that you can just, like, you know, screw on there and save, <laughs> save your precious multi hundred dollar lenses from just getting covered in weld spatter and like shellac and everything else that's airborne in my shop makes its way to the lens. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> some, some, some of the shots are, uh, I don't think they're quite as crisp as they would be if I had, you know, a a hundred percent functional lens on my camera. So yeah, other than that, I've been, uh, I made a tote for one of my planes. Um, 
and that was a that was kind of a fun one. I've had a lot of people asking me, you know, how do you actually make the the handle on a plane and and sculpt it and shape it? Um, so I went into a good bit of detail on that, and uh, I don't know why I, I like um, the little sculpting things like that where you're shaping handles um, because it it kind of bridges the gap between um, functionality and the human touch, and just getting that the way it feels in your hand being more important than the way it looks. Um, I, I, I like that that aspect to it. But other than that, I put out a whole pile of uh, little quick tip videos this week. And so I've been kind of focusing on that and getting out one video every day for the entire month. So that's it's been a incredible. Been a busy like, month. Yeah. I've been following along with that. That, that tote was really, really cool. Um, I'm thinking about make, remaking one myself on uh, one of my planes that the, the tote cracked. Um, so that was kind of inspirational. I might, I still might do that. So oh, how's, how's your workflow on something like that? Because I seriously, I've struggled to put out like two videos a month. That's why I'm going to try and start doing some smaller builds. But like, if you're doing one a day, like how much time do you spend? Do you think shooting, building, editing, like how does that break down? I'm actually really curious about that. Well, it really depends on the video because I, I try to have one big project like the lathe running. Um, and so I'll spend a couple days a week on the lathe, um, and that might prove one video. Well, that's a couple days of work for one video. Um, and so then I'll have a bunch of like, uh, detailed, um, quick tip videos that are, you know, a minute to three minutes long and they're shot in a single clip and they're just, you know, here's how you use blue tape to mark out, uh, your joints better. So they, they don't take that much time and editing is literally cropping them with a start and stop point and then render it and upload it. And so really they only take two to three hours total to make the little uh, one to two minute videos. Um, and then I try and do a couple that, you know, take me the majority of the day. So I'm usually doing about six days a week um, of eight to 10 hours in the shop. That's, to, that's crazy to pump that out. Like I, so I had to edit the, uh, the C clamp bench that I did for FabTech. Like, I think I did that. I edited that video all in two days and it just like, by the time I was done, I was so sick of being in this room and sitting at this desk in front of the computer. It was just, it was awful. Like usually I'll, I'll spread my editing out <laughs> over like a week or two, but it was, I think I put in like, I probably put in, I don't know, at least, at least a minimum of 12 hours, like editing that video. And I feel like I never even really realized until one of our early, like one of our early podcasts, I didn't really ever think about how much time I spent editing. And, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. I mean, you really just don't really, and I don't even do a good job of it. So like, I couldn't imagine. Well, like, then you have to get into the, the uploading and the syndication. It's, and... it's crazy. Like I couldn't imagine somebody who does I feel like one of my, one of my favorites is, I mean, William Walker's like your, like, Will, your videos are some of my favorite. They're just so professionally done. I feel like I could only imagine how much time you have to spend editing those things. <laughs> mine is pretty much just like, mine's pretty much <laughs> cutting out like me cursing and like tripping and falling in my shop <laughs> and like a lot of dead air of me like figuring out how I'm going to lift things that weigh three times more than me. I, I cut that out and then I just pretty much smash all of my clips into like two, three seconds each. So like, it's really not that 
difficult of a process, but it still takes hours. So I could only imagine somebody who really, really puts, uh, you know, the emphasis into getting everything just right, like how much more time and how much more involved that would be than, than my process. So editing is definitely something that's, uh, you get better at with time. Um, but it, it's, this is going to sound really cheesy and dorky, but it's, it's more about finding the feel of the video. So finding that perfect track to set the tone and the emotion and the pacing of your video, and then kind of making the story fit into that, that feeling. Um, and then once you have that down, I mean, you just kind of edit to the rhythm, um, and do a quick color grade, but it's, I like this last video, the, the, uh, I just released it today, the bourbon jar lid. Um, I had it pretty much done and then watched it again and realized that I hated the mood. So I deleted everything and started over and <laughs> I hate doing that, but it, you know, it, to me, it's like I don't like to put out videos yeah. that I'm not proud of. So if I'm sitting yeah. there watching it going, meh. I did that on last night's like video. Trash I, I do, I'd say that's one thing that I try yeah. and do in my videos is like set the mood. Um, like as far as with the music, like I spend countless hours trying to find music that is that is one like not like royalty free so that I can post it and not have to pay somebody else. And two. Mm -hmm music that doesn't that isn't, isn't already terrible. used by a hundred other and people. both of those things are really easy to find independently of each other but when you try and find royalty music that isn't terrible like you have your work cut out for you because most of it <laughs> is so bad it's like it's like some somebody like just bought like a, a casio keyboard from 1987 and goes home and hits like yes. one yes. and sings over it it's all that bad it's awful <laughs> So it's, uh, uh, I have one of those upstairs, but <laughs> you should actually do one. Like just, just make an intentionally terrible song <laughs> and so figure out a way to like make it so bad that it's hilarious <laughs> and then figure out how to work it into your video. Cool. We actually have a few questions. Excellent. Um, so, uh, Jeff Gruff asks, uh, how often do your significant others influence or request a project? Uh, it's usually two for Two for me, one for her, or or two for clients, one for her. Uh, well, so my wife is always requesting projects, and I am never making those projects. <laughs> um, is, Here's some relationship in, in, advice. Yeah, here. Um, I just don't have time, and I mean, she gets that. But we, like, I have like I just have I have pages of things I want to build. Like I said, that slab in the corner there. That's been there for two years in this room. It hasn't moved. That's supposed to be our coffee table. I bought it two years ago. Like, it's not a hard build. I could probably do it in, you know, under certainly under a week, like probably a couple of days, but it's still sitting there in the corner. So, like, my, my priorities just aren't, uh, unfortunately, on, on uh, building stuff for myself right now. I have a truck yeah. that I'm trying to restore, and I haven't, like, I haven't done anything on that since last winter because it's so hot. And like, that's kind of my, I don't know, priority shift, I guess. That's, that's kind of my excuse. Yeah. I did, I've, when I did, I've got a honeydew list that uh, my, my wife keeps adding projects to, but they're, I, I only work on one of her projects at a time. And so it usually ends up being like the big project. But recently, I've, you know, I've had the, the, the kitchen remodel 
and then the the shop remodel and so those everything's been on the back burner and so she, now she's kind of like getting on can you uh build this they kind of come in waves <laughs> Uh, Yanatin, uh, 24 asks, I'm cross-cutting a board with a handsaw and at what angle of a miter would it make more sense to use a rip saw instead of a cross-cut? That's an awesome question that I've never even considered before. Mostly because I don't work with those tools, but yeah, still. I think it depends more on uh, how comfortable are you with a particular saw because I have I have different relationships with all my saws and some of them I absolutely love to use that saw and some of them I'm like I'm I'm loath to use that saw but it's the best one for the situation so I'm going to use it. James, do you have names for uh, your tools like personal names? <laughs> I should start. I could totally picture you carve the like, name into all the handles. All your tools have names and, Cassandra and like faces and drawn on them. Marietta. <laughs> Yeah, she's crunky. You have to treat her well, but uh, <laughs> no, because if if I am like cutting a board about a one by three and I'm going up to like a 50 degree angle, I'm probably still going to be using a crosscut because I really like my 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 small uh, backsaw crosscut. I use that quite well. I feel very good about it. Um, and I, I don't like my my long tenon saw, which is a, a rip cut. Um, so I, I, I only use that when I have to. I, I would think from a physics standpoint that anything greater than 45 degree angle would, would be being, you'd be doing more ripping action than cross cutting action. But uh, I have not tried yeah. any of that in, in practice. So I have no actual useful advice, just theoretical advice. Yeah, that, that's kind of the, the breaking point at which it's average. But I mean, even then you're still cutting through fibers, yeah. which makes it easier to use a cross cut. Um, but you're also cutting along the fibers more, which makes it easier for the ripsa. Um, so I don't think that there is any breaking point. It's kind of a gradient from one to the other. And you can always rip with a cross cut and cross cut with a rip saw. There's no law that says you can't. Uh, you know, if you if you cross cut uh, with a rip saw, then you're probably just going to end out with more blowout on the far side, um, which you know you can clean up. And if you cross cut with if you rip with a with a cross cut <laughs> saw, there's a tendency to wander a bit more and it's a bit slower. Um, but you know you can do it. So I guess it's just what are you more comfortable with. But yeah, anywhere around the 45 degree angle is where you, you kind of break it. What you need is a cross rip saw. <laughs> Hasn't been invented yet. Well, they do make the, the hybrid saws. They have about a 10 degree of fleam um, as opposed to the, the 20 to 30 degree that you'd have with a with a standard cross cut. And they, they do both well, but anytime you, do a, anytime you make a tool that is okay at both, it really kind of stinks at both. Fleam sounds like some sort of like... like mouth infection <laughs> uh yeah i got a horrible case of the flu <laughs> let's see we do have another question for james um from evan dunville uh are you still using the power planer that's a good question i haven't seen that thing in a while yes i am um i did not use it on my bench build because i wanted the bench to be completely hand tools um so i i didn't pull it out for that which i really wish i had because that was you know, 100 board feet of white oak to be planed down. But I am going to be doing all of the trim upstairs. Um, and it's all hickory. And it's all uh, 13 16 thick right now. And I need to take it, about half of it I'm taking down to three quarters. So I only need to take off a 16th. But the other half I'm taking all the way down to half inch. Um, so I have the choice of resawing a bunch of veneer off of all this hickory or planing it down. 
<laughs> so 260 board feet of hickory about half of it i have to take off a little less than a half inch and how much do you get um, how much do you how much do you take off like can you scrub off with a beastly plane in one pass um well with hickory i'd be happy to get a 16th of an inch um any thicker than that and you're just you're putting too much that's force a lot into it. especially hickory that well, is with, a lot. with pine i can i can plane an eighth of an inch in a that's pass. insane what like uh, what plane do you use for that? My scrub plane. It has a, a very very deep camber. In I've it. never used one of the, like taking off like even a sixteenth seems just crazy to me. I could not imagine being able to do that. I mean, act, and if you think about it, like if you have to take off a half inch and you can get a sixteenth at a time, that's only eight passes. Like that's actually not too bad. Um, I mean, probably tell that to your more. arms and hickory. Yeah. <laughs> but still i mean I'm, well the other I, like with my the with, other problem is i'm doing trim and so i want to work on these 10 to 12 foot long boards when well, my bench is only five foot long and so i'm going back and forth i'll probably end up doing at least one window's worth of trim completely with hand tools but then i think at that point and especially being in the month of november and i need to crank out videos i'm going to be okay let's just let's pull out the planer and run this down because that's that's the big reason why i got it because i can always um i, I can shoot videos but if i'm if I'm doing a, a step in the process that I shot all the footage I need for the video already, what's the point of me continuing to do this? And I'm not actually helping any of the videos out by shooting, by still hand planing all yeah. this off camera. Well, plus, if you got to crank out one video a day, I mean, you need all the advantage you can get. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's where I'll, I'll probably be pulling out that hand plane. James, what's... Um... What radius is your scrub plane iron cambered at? My main one is a uh, one to nine. It's a what? One to nine. Okay. One to nine. So it has a nine inch radius. Mine. I put my. I put an eight inch radius on my scrub plane, and that seems to work pretty efficiently. Mm-hmm. You should do a video on how to camber an iron. I did. Um, actually, put that one out. Oh. <laughs> it's an older one though. It's probably a year and a half old. Uh, but yeah. It, um, uh, it's one of the things I often suggest to people when they're getting their first couple hand planes is go buy like a Harbor Harbor Freight cheap junk plane, camber the iron, and voila, you have a solid scrub plane. It, it really doesn't take much to to turn a to so turn into a decent scrub like, plane because it just needs a big mouth. When you camber or set the primary bevel on your stuff, and I'm asking you because you're James, um, do you use do you use like a slow speed grinder? Or do you actually <laughs> camber them on stones? Because I feel like that would take. Um, actually, what I do is I, a while ago, I bought a strip of 60 grit um, sandpaper that is 18 inches wide um, by 20 foot long. Um, it used to be used on a, a large um, belt sander, a very, very large belt sander. Um, but I actually lay that out on the floor, get down on my hands and knees and grind it out on that. Uh, you know, a very heavy camber on iron really only takes two to three minutes. That's crazy. And I don't have to worry about keeping it cool. I guess, I guess you wouldn't, like, I wouldn't have thought that sandpaper would take off more material than like a coarse stone, but apparently it does. Oh yeah. Like a 60 grit, uh, like when I'm flattening a sole of a plane, I'll start like a, a 30 or 40 grit and that will just march through steel huh. incredibly crazy. fast. I have, I have a huh. slow speed grinder that, that I use and I have like the Veritas, um, I don't know, whatever their, their blade sharpening contraption that you use on there, mm-hmm. the tool rest. It works pretty well, but like getting perfectly even camber is actually a lot more frustrating than it should be. Well, that's the nice thing about a scrub plane. Yeah, it doesn't have to yeah. be an even camber. It's just, 
It has to be yeah. somewhat rounded. You're, you're, it's not. It's not <laughs> finesse work. Yeah. Well, and that that being said, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that on the floor with the sixty grit, and then I'm gonna spend a while on like a, a hundred grit paper on the floor, and then I'm gonna go to the stones. And so, the, the sixty grit kind of gets it close. The hundred grit gets it the shape I want, and then the stones refine the edge. So it's a it's a process. Uh, let's see, Gregory Hickman uh, asks, uh, what is one project that was the Impetus. What was the one project that was impetus for you? Impetuous for starting your journey as a woodworker. Um, wow. For me, that goes all the way back to uh, uh, Boy Scouts. Do you tell? Uh, making the the, 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 the car. Uh, the, uh, like the pine dock, pine, yeah? yeah. Pinewood Derby? Except for I made it That's, out of oak. Those are the words I was looking for. But I mean, at different stages, I've had different things. Like uh, before I went into college, I made my dresser and I, I did a lot of work and practice for that. And I made my dresser, which I really liked. And then when I got into hand tools, it was making the coffee table. Every step, there's been a key project that has been kind of like a turning point, turning point in my design and education. My my answer is kind of the same. I mean, not not the particulars, but like like you said, I feel like every every project has been like a stepping stone, or at least like there's there's certainly been a lot of those. And I mean, even just you know, it, it's it's crazy because. I've only been doing this really, let's see, I'm looking at my very first YouTube video, which was March 23rd, 2016. And I started out with the most simple, like dumb little project just to like do a video and post it on, on uh, YouTube. And uh, it's still, it only has 3000 views. It was like a little dog leash holder. It was just my first, my first time ever recording anything. And I put it up there. And even going back there and looking at like the types of projects, which to me were like kind of, kind of big deals at the, at the point, at the time, the, uh, I made like a ampersand for our wedding. Um, that was the second video I put out and, uh, like that was, that was huge. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I made this. And that was like, that was like a little over a year ago. And now like I'm traveling around the country and like doing live builds for stuff. It's just incredible. Like I didn't know how to do anything, anything that I'm doing now. Like if you, if you'd show me any of the projects I've made in the past six months to me a year ago, I would have been like, there's no way I could ever build that. So I feel like it's, it's just that you're, everything is a stepping stone and it's really incredible to watch the progression. And, And that applies to anybody. If you guys are just getting started in this, like, Stick with it and yeah. you will not believe what you'll be doing in a year from now. I mean, it will blow your mind. I never, ever would have thought that I'd be doing this and building the projects that I'm building. Um, it's it's just, it's crazy. So, I mean, I, I can't pick out any particular projects. I feel like they've all, they've all been kind of uh, milestones that have given me the confidence to, to further develop, you know, whatever direction they're, they're heading in. So... What about you, Will? I feel like mine was a little bit backwards. So uh, one of my first projects in my old shop, which was a 14 foot by 14 foot shed behind my parents' house, um, was this five foot tall wine rack that I made for my wife. But the wine rack wasn't the problem. The problem was wood selection. Uh, My dad, who's a contractor, had this... um, deck build going on and they were using Ipe, which is uh, Brazilian teak or walnut. Yeah, I was just using Ipe the other day. Yeah, so it's super hard. Like it's ridiculous. It's really hard on your tools. Um, and he had some scrap Ipe 
And he said, hey, do you want this? And I said, yeah, sure. I'll build a wine rack out of it. Well, drilling out four-inch radius holes, uh, or I guess diameter holes, um, to make the scoop to hold the bottles of wine with a hole saw and a cordless drill in ePay, I went through two drills on it. Uh, I burnt out the motors on two drills (laughs) trying to get all these holes drilled. Um, so that was kind of the 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 start the of impetus my woodworking, of your woodworking journey. journey. Uh, the, yes, <laughs> uh, and so I learned a lot there, uh, and have since learned don't try to make your first project out of ePay. <laughs> That's you know one of the I think one of the fun things when you're starting out. I guess it's probably wasn't fun at the time, but when I look back, before I had all of the tools that I have now. Like I started out before obviously doing YouTube, like I had a, uh, pretty much I had a drill, a, uh, like a 20 volt circular saw, the uh, battery powered circular saw. And, um, that was pretty much it. And I built so much stuff with those two tools Mm -hmm. and like, it was a lot of fun because it makes you think differently. Like how it makes you come up with creative ways to use these tools. Like how can you do something unique with, uh, a drill and a, a circular saw. So, I mean, I, I feel like I was, I was certainly a little bit more creative in, in uh, my, my building process back then when I was limited. And uh, if, if you think long and hard enough, those are the two tools that I recommend to anyone that wants to get started in making things. Absolutely. Um, because you can take them outside, throw, you know, a couple of sawhorses down, throw a, an old door or something on top of some sawhorses. And with those two tools, you can make a lot. And coming from a background in construction, that's like those are the tools that you usually had on the job site. You might have had a you know job site table saw or a nail gun, but but the circular saw and drill were like the two that and a speed square were like okay, so the three yeah. main tools. So anyone out there listening wanting to get into making stuff, ask for those for Christmas. Cool. Well, I think it's time for the joke of the week. And uh, this one comes from uh, Yonatan42. What type of machine will never need glasses? CNC. Nice. <laughs> we, we, had a, we had another one that I was actually going to read, and I'm just going to go ahead and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it because I like it. This is from Jeff Graff. Uh, how do trees access the internet? They log on. Uh, yeah it's a good one Uh, all right let's see here but um moving Moving on on. (laughs) so what are we uh, what are you reading watching listening to uh will you want to kick us off yeah so um travel books on bavaria uh Um, that and uh, Mike Boyd from Learn Quick, who is a delightful Scottish man who tries to learn a new skill um, from scratch. And he videos the whole thing, like how to wheelie a bike or how to throw a hatchet or how to go mountain biking. Um, and he sets a goal for himself. It's really cool. And he's got this awesome accent. It, so it's, it's Learn Quick. So, uh, how to really a bike. And, uh, so he'll set a goal for himself or I'll say like, okay, this is day one, hour zero. I'm going to learn how to wheelie a bike 30 <laughs> meters. <laughs> and he goes through the whole process and he's like, 
all the frustration and it's just really, really fun to watch. And whenever he nails the thing that he's doing, like he has these ridiculously over the top celebration, like jumping up and down and screaming and hooting and hollering. And it's just really fun. Uh, that and you suck at cooking. <laughs> no, I don't know if you I guys like have ever seen this channel. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, catchy. Uh, it's amazing. Go look it up right after this. Um, you suck at cooking. So it's this guy and he's totally dry and makes just – he makes a dish, you know, whatever, how to make a pumpkin pie. And he'll go out in the woods and he'll be like, all right, I'm just out here searching for a wild pumpkin. Oh, there's one. Let me do my pumpkin call. And he'll take like a cardboard tube and be like, <laughs> and, then, and then have this pumpkin like rolling to him. Uh, it's just, I don't know. Sounds it's like you just ridiculous. Watch I can't it, even yeah. explain. Just go watch it. <laughs> how about you, James? Well, I've been actually watching a channel uh, by Matt Estel, Estla. Um, and he did this really weird, um, cool cabinet that's was bent. It was a while ago, uh, but he's been putting out a lot of YouTube videos recently and, and getting into it, um, but really doing a bang up job. He's uh, he's from the UK and has that that great UK accent. Um, that is it's fantastic, uh, but it really a lot of fun to watch. But if you're ever wanting to you know learn tips and techniques for woodworking in general, um, very hybrid. A lot of hand tools, a couple power tools. Uh, really, really cool channel. So definitely look up uh, Matt Estla. E-S-T-L-E-A. I've been, like, I've been watching him too. E-A. Let's yeah. see. So I want to um, – there's a lot of YouTube videos of people making wooden mallets. Like I feel like it is, it is the new cutting <laughs> board of YouTube. Like everybody has a mallet video. However, I found what I think may be the best mallet I've seen on YouTube. And uh, – guy by the name of uh, Chris from Third Coast Craftsman is his YouTube channel. And uh, it's super cool. Like he actually, like just the design of it is really sleek. It's it's definitely unique looking like the the handle. He makes his own brass little uh, collet to, to join the, the handle to the mallet. It's just, it's, uh, I don't ever want to watch a mallet video. And this one, like I would never recommend anybody to watch more mallet videos than they've already seen but this one's definitely worth checking out it's pretty cool also i've been reading a whole lot of books lately that are kind of regarding uh branding and marketing because that's just kind of something i really want to work on uh, with my own my own materials i'm starting to create some more like accessories and stuff uh trying to fill out my storefront and uh there was a really good one called you are your brand uh that's that's what i that's one of the, it's a really quick read and I honestly got it and I opened it up and I'm like, oh, great. It's one of those books where somebody's just trying to make a book with no content because like a quarter of it's all like blank worksheets that you're supposed to answer questions. And I just assume like, oh, this is like one of those. How can we get to 100 pages with as little writing as possible? But if you actually work through it, like there's some really important questions in there that uh, I think if you're if it's something you're interested in as far as like how how to kind of uh, convey your product, whether that's your videos, yourself, uh, you know, your what, whatever it is, um, it's it's certainly an, an interesting read. It's really quick and it's it's worth your time. So, well, for uh, a tool of the week, I've got a live center. Normally, you just have a live center on the tailstock, and it just freely spins and has ball bearings in there. It's basically just a a pointy thing that spins really simple. But on mine, I actually have two live centers, one on either side, which is kind of a, 
uh, if you've ever done anything on a lathe, it just doesn't make any sense to have two live centers. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a, a, a cool little device. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of need that for the spring pull, right? Because <laughs> I mean, the power the power doesn't yeah, yeah. come well, from the most... from the end of the lathe. It comes from yeah. Most uh, spring pull lathes, the the plans just have you get a threaded rod and grind it to a tip, and so it just spins on a tip. Um, but then that creates friction against uh, the wood against the the the, the ground up wow. tip, uh, whereas a live center just makes it far smoother. Uh, Zach, I do. do you I'm have anything? To copy the link right now. So my my tool of the week is uh, it's actually the Hero GoPro Five. Ooh. I have had it for a while. I think I bought it like probably four or five months ago. But it's I'm just, it's starting to work its way into uh, more of. Hold on, I'm typing and thinking and speaking at the same time it's not working out for me there we go okay i'm ready um so it, i'm kind of figuring out more creative ways to incorporate it into my videos i'm this sounds like a sales pitch but like honestly i think the video that i'm getting from my gopro 5 is cleaner and crisper than what i'm getting through my my uh dslr <laughs> and that might be due in part to the fact that 30 percent of my lens is covered in weld spatter but uh, nonetheless, like I really like the footage and actually I think the fisheye effect that I get from like the wide angle actually kind of makes my shop look cooler. It just makes it look, it gives it like some depth and dimension in some of the shots. So I've pretty much been using it. Um, the th I guess the thing that I'm, that I really like about it is one, I can get really close in the shots, but uh, two, like I really, really like the time-lapse feature. Like I just think it, uh, it, comes out and it looks awesome and it saves me from having to uh edit down you know if i'm doing something for an hour i don't have to import an hour of video and shrink it down into you know 20 seconds for the time lapse i can just you know the time lapse will condense mm -hmm. it automatically into you know a fifth maybe 20 minutes or so so it just makes makes the time lapse shots a lot easier on my part so cool will if if you ever, uh, if Zach, if you ever want a not wide angle time lapse, um, grab an intervalometer for your camera for your that? DSLR, um, and you can set it's it's so it's intervalometer okay. intervalometer, um, so you can have it take a photo every three seconds, five seconds, five minutes, whatever you want, um, and then it's pretty easy to put them together in post to make a time lapse. Um, that's what I do for like my star oh, shots, cool. like my star trail, um, so time does lapses. It, does it import as yeah, individual so, pictures and then you just have to like sync them up to, to play as a video? Yeah. So you can either do it through Photoshop or Premiere or I don't know I what movie. you're editing on, um, your videos, but iMovie, I iMovie might it. be able to do it, but if you, you can open the images as a sequence, okay. um, so you just select the folder that they're all in and then it imports them as a sequence and plays as a movie and you just tell it what frame rate to go at. So, you know, 24 oh, frames per second cool. or, you know, whatever you prefer, but little tip from a photographer. Um, my favorite tool this week is the Amana prestige series, uh, dado stack that tools today sent me. Um, I put it in, I had only ever used a pretty dull dado stack. Um, so that when I put this on my saw and my table saw and started cutting some box joints, I was like, whoa, 
What were you like? Whoa. All right, last time. Uh, yeah, so I'm having fun with that. Well, I think that about does it for this week. And so I want to say a huge thank you to the patrons on Patreon, particularly um, our top patrons this week, Mike Build Modify, Master of None, and Debbie Brooke. And extra shout out to Master of None on my, for, I want to give an extra shout out to Master of None. He was, um, he helped us all out a little bit at the, um, the FabTech event. He, he actually, I couldn't get a lot of footage of myself doing things because it was crowded cramped environment and uh, he got some and i actually used it in my c clamp bench video so thanks love the audience you guys are you guys really make this worth Absolutely. doing so thanks, thanks guys for so that's about it for today until next time awesome see ya Avita, jane <laughs>